And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the 126-117 loss to the Boston Celtics on opening night. Going over the little bit of good that we saw, the whole lot of ugly, and breaking down whether or not any of that ugly gives us concern on a potential title run. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Six Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm doing great. Did you see how far Kyle Schwerber hit that ball last <laughs> he night? Did, he did. I would love to spend a little bit. I saw there was somebody who pretty much overlaid it on Matt Stairs, rips one in the night from 2008, lined it up perfectly, frame for frame. It was fantastic. I'm glad we get to talk about that for half an hour here this afternoon. It's it's going to be wonderful. Just talking Phillies all all the time, like we we always do. Yeah, I I wonder. I know it wasn't Joe Buck who was calling the game, but I, I think that it would have been tough. You would have had to think on your feet pretty quickly. But that is a that should have gotten the rips into the or uh, rips it deep into the night chant. Or uh, I'll be honest, I can't even announcing. remember what the what was said during it. Probably because I had it muted because uh, I was watching an, another game, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> I wasn't watching it live. I don't have two screens. I don't recall seeing like like remembering the call from the highlights either. It uh it was amazing. The uh the Phillies are playing awesome and I am very happy about that as I know you are. Yes. Unfortunately, we have a less than amazing 126 to 117 loss to the hated Boston Celtics here to talk about this afternoon. I guess we'll sort of like take a step back because I feel like Reactions are on one of two extremes for pretty much everyone. Either <laughs> that's it, they're not contenders, they'll never contend with this core, they're frauds. Or it's one game, it doesn't matter, just a bad night. Which side do you fall on? I think I fall closer to the latter. We, we said this last week. I, I've seen this team play poor opening games and have pretty good seasons. I've seen them play great opening games and have pretty crappy seasons. Uh yeah, it it is funny, by the way. Just one more thing on the Phillies that and the and the Flyers. I like are how I tried to pivot us to the Sixers. You're like, no, no, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not mentally prepared. Let's go back to that Schwarbaum. <laughs> I'm gonna bring it back. Bring it back quickly too. You tweeted out the meme of uh, you know the the Sixers being the only team that lost, yeah. and as Philadelphia sports, like, the teams like literally cannot lose and. Boston Garden or TD Garden on opening night. I'm sorry. That's just too much of a powerful force. They do not care about Philadelphia sports, the the renaissance that is going on right now. Uh, So so to answer your question, though, there are certainly things. I feel like we need to bring Charlie in here to talk about the Flyers because I don't feel like they're going to be part of that renaissance very long. So maybe we should loop him in here while we have the chance. But they're 3-0, and and I know the Lightning are awesome, and they beat them on the road last night, so that's... Good, good for them. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I would fall closer to the, the latter. But, you know, I, I guess the way I would put it is this. In the short term, there is a lot of stuff they have to work on and get better. But I also recognize that this team's not going to play the games that actually matter until April. And so I'm not freaking out about one terrible performance. And it was pretty terrible. The uh, And I guess the, the big thing... I would take away from it, and Doc said this in the post game, is that they just gave up so many easy baskets. Like they, and and look, it's it's one game, but it also is the first game of the year against a rival. It's disappointing that they got out toughed and the other team just played harder. That's it. Like I, yeah. I, I know yeah. those are the cliche cliche things to say when the the other team wins. Sometimes they're not true. Sometimes it's a make or miss league. One to make or miss league last night. They got out toughed. One team like just has their shit together on defense. The other one doesn't. And even though the Sixers offense was overall was pretty good, they just they got outworked on both ends of the court, in my opinion. Um specifically on defense, because they just I mean, that level of resistance was pathetic. Yeah. No, it really was. It, I, I, it was so I guess. Where I would sort of pivot to. There's a little bit of, you know, certainly when you're playing in a drop, Boston shooting like 20 for 28 on mid-range shots is going to make that look even worse than it otherwise would. But the effort was trash, so I don't want to give them the out anyway. And especially the big guy. The big guy was, I think, the real surprising part of that whole effort. And his his offense hurt their defense too because his turnovers were seemingly all of the live ball variety and all two points right away (laughs) i do think there's a little bit uh, my concern level was probably a little higher than yours just for one very simple fact if you go back so i think you picked them in your preview at the athletic for 55 wins and a conference finals i said 56 wins and the third best odds to get out of the eastern conference I said they would win the most games in the East in the regular season, but I gave them the third best odds to win the conference in the playoffs. And a big part of that, I think, are factors that we saw last night. Whether that's Joel Embiid's offense getting a little tougher to execute in the playoffs against opponents who have a chance of game plan against them. And quite frankly, this was a game where Boston had more time. There will not be a better prepared game until the playoffs just because of yeah. the sheer amount of time that Boston had to prepare. And they've always done a very good job of scheme play- scheming, combined game planning and scheming, scheming against Joel Embiid. So there's that. There's also the fact that in the playoffs, Joel Embiid's defense is not quite as impactful as it otherwise is, because a lot of those teams, if you give them a chance to walk into some of those mid-range jumpers, they will bury them. Maybe not 20 for 28, but they'll bury them. So there's that. Some of the concerns that we have against the top, 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 and most of these concerns, we're just talking about competition against the top of the top. And Boston is, I think, if not going to be the best defense in the top two, and I think that's pretty safe to say. It's a hard opening game. It's a very hard opening game in a tough environment. So I think some of my concern level is the fact that a lot, and also uh, there's a concern level over teams with big wings, just as good of a defender as DeAnthony Melton is. He's not huge. Tyrese Maxey and James Harden are neither good good defenders nor huge. So there is, you can take apart some of this defense. Certain teams, the teams that you're generally likely to find in conference finals and finals, more so than will be picked apart in the regular season. So that's why I think 
what happened last night doesn't matter, but also it might be a little bit of a, it just might have highlighted some of the concerns that you have when talking about this as a top four, a final four type of team. Hey, look, I said it, the the small backcourt and the, the lack of resistance on the defensive end, that's a, a big reason why I would, again, I would put Milwaukee and Boston yep. ahead of them. Me too. And, you know, I said they make the conference finals. That was kind of a specific prediction as in they're going to win a bunch of regular season games and, and the two short. juggernauts yep. are going to play each other. So it's a facto you, yep. you, you lose to one of them at the end of it. Uh, okay. Let, let's go through that all being the negative said, things. I think one thing that will be different in the playoffs. First of all, Joel Embiid, you presume will give a shit. And I'm not <laughs> entirely sure. I think he was like us half watching the Phillies game. That's the way he played. <laughs> And also, Joel Embiid will not be dropping quite as much. He will be extending himself out on the perimeter more than they had him doing last night. So I think they should be able to compete better defensively than they did last night. God, I hope so, because otherwise they have no chance. But I do think some of those concerns were valid when you look at the highest of levels. I, You know what? I, I saw a lot of stuff about the deep drop today. It looks bad when you have no energy. Uh, upon rewatch, uh, you know what? I'm going to fight back a little bit. I, I did not think that was like the biggest issue. By, by a lot. I, I thought there were some instances where he was jumping up and, and yes, he, um, let's just get into Joel. Joel stunk last night. Like, like for him, that was not good. And Boston's kind of a weird team, right? Cause I, I, I liked how you framed it. They really scheme. Well, they, they help off the dribble. Usually like when he puts the ball on the floor, they help. They're very long. They have all of these wings, but they are also a team that in recent years, we have seen them, him light their asses up. Yeah. When, um, when he's on his game, because they don't have the center point of, you know, attack defense. It's not. I guess it's the point of attack. Yeah, no, I got you. They don't have the the guy who's bodying up against him who can really just handle him one on one. So Boston is the perfect. Is Joel in a good rhythm? Yep. Is he reading the floor? Is he making his uh his mid rangers? Had is no he making rhythm last night. He had decisions? less rhythm than me on a dance floor, and that's bad. Yeah, it was like me at a wedding. That's yeah, weird. yeah, it's the uh. Yeah, he had no rhythm. And I look, that was the sneaky takeaway from the preseason. He played twice. He did not look good in those games. He did not look like he was in the the proper flow, the proper rhythm. Um, and it carried over. They they are the classic. Is Joel like he is however he comes in against yeah. that team, if he's in a, a bad rhythm, like there are teams, there are probably 10, 12 teams in the league where I don't care if he just, you know, just completely was terrible for a yeah. week. He's just going to overpower them and he's going to score 40 points and he's awesome. And then there are other teams that give him some trouble, like, you know, Gasol back in the day, yeah. even, you know, Valanchunas, like th those guys make him work for it if they're, they're big enough. The Celtics are the classic. However, he plays independent of the defense. That's what type of game it is. If he comes in and he's not playing well, they're going to smoke him. But he also has scored 45, almost 50 points against that team. Yeah. And just, they've been completely helpless against him. They just foul the crap out of him. And that's even when Robert Williams plays too. Robert Williams has no chance against him when he's on his game. Um, he, I think you're right though. The, the, the rhythm that he's in, I, I, it was disappointing. His handle right now is a disaster. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. You know, I, he obviously was dribbling too much against that team last night, but he's also coughing up the ball super easily, like in transition. It was a uh, it was a tough performance, and usually when uh, you know he has twenty six points and fifteen rebounds, usually that undersells the impact he has because of you know the defensive stuff. No, this was yeah. way this was way worse than that. He was 
well, well below average for uh, for his play. And and I, I guess one more thing I'll add, because this is kind of a, a team issue. It's one thing to be um, like below average. He was actively harmful at various points when he was turning the ball over. Like those those turnovers destroyed them. It destroyed them. Yeah. So so look, if as soon as he looks like the Joel Embiid of last year, and I see him, and this could even be against a bad team. I don't really care. Like, as soon as we see him hitting that hang dribble and, and hitting jumpers against people, when we see him, you know, moving the ball in the, the proper direction and not coughing it up and throwing it to the other team, scoring with ease on anything besides the James Harden pick and roll, I feel a little better about this team right now. But you, you definitely want to see him, like, round into shape pretty quickly here because he's not himself right now. He's not been himself since the preseason started. Yeah. And that portion of it, I certainly do expect him to get back. I don't know if it, Me too. the fact that he, um, you know, didn't get a chance to put in as much work this off season as maybe he did other ones because of, of the injuries. I don't know if it's the fact that he played so little in the preseason played like 40 minutes and none of them looked particularly great. I don't know if it's just an off night, um, but it definitely seemed like his struggles offensively bled into some of the, the defensive Effort concerns there. Uh, it was just not a good, like every bad habit he had seemed to come out last night. Uh, and that might just be him needing to get back in the flow of the season. I do expect them to have more success. Like, I don't, I, I think they can play with anyone in the East, quite frankly. I, the way I've always phrased it, I think they have as much upside as, as any of the three teams. You can also throw in Miami in there, depending on what you think of them. Uh, I think they have as much upside as anyone. It's the probability I'm not sure of that certainly didn't increase my confidence level in that probability <laughs> last night, but that is where it's still very much just one game. Um, it's really the defensive. It's one thing for Joel Embiid's offense. I think he will round back into form and there's other offensive things. That I think were very uh, encouraging. I mean, that was a, that was a outside of Joel Embiid's turnovers and to start maybe the first six minutes of the first quarter, they had a good offensive night against the best, the best defense in the best defense in the league. Yeah. And they did a lot of shit wrong too. Yeah. And so that's, if if you're looking at the bright side of this and and Harden, if he, if it. he looks like that, like they will have a chance in the, in any series that they play in. It was just, it was a combination of things that carried over from, uh, previous playoff runs and also just Joel Embiid looking so sluggish and slow and so, uh, out of sorts that it was frustrating. I, I think specifically when Embiid and Maxi were running the offense too, it just looked so much worse. Yeah than when Harden was in there. You know, they, they found a little bit of success in the second quarter. It's clear that they have their, one of their base sets they're starting to run this year. It's basically Maxi or Harden brings up the ball on the wing. There's two guys on either side, but Embiid catch the ball at the strong side elbow, and they just say, go to work, buddy. You know, a little bit like a delay set. Um, they had a little bit of success with that with Joel. He, uh, he had some success against Grant Williams, kind of facing him up and hitting shots and, and driving past him. But um, it, we're going to talk about the defense in a minute because it was truly embarrassing. But part of the issue was that they got sluggish and stagnant on offense. And to me, this is something that will improve in the future. But like the Sixers need to play harder and smarter on offense. And, and the specific areas where I would point that out against a team like Boston, sometimes they're going to take your first action away. Sometimes that pick and roll, they're going to, you know, Tatum's going to get under that screen and you're going to have to run something else. I thought Embiid and Maxi in particular, when they took that first action away, they could not get to the second thing. They could not flow into something else that actually worked. I think Harden was okay at that last night. He could be better, but he certainly was miles ahead of those two. 
in terms of like when you have to get to plan B and plan C, flow into it, get into it quickly. Like don't take forever because against a team like Boston, if you allow them, you know, those two or three seconds to reset their defense, you're back at square one and it is freaking hard to score on them. So, uh, I look, I expect that to improve. Some of that is timing and togetherness and figuring out the new pieces because you know, as much as people want to say, okay, the top four guys that play together, that is having your ancillary pieces in the right spots, making the right cuts, doing kind of the right things. They're clearly not there yet. Um, but that's that's where the Sixers are going to have to win because, look, against Boston, they are not as good defensively against them. I'm sure they can play harder and provide better resistance than last night. But they're going to win by outscoring them and yeah. and making it making them work so hard on the defensive end that their offense is worse. Uh, they did not do that in last night's game, which is again, it's impressive that they got to the level they did because I didn't really think they were uh, they were in sync. No. So let's go over a couple of the individual pieces before we swing of the defense. And and really, I mean, look, we can talk about Harris, and he looked, I thought, real good to start the game. Maxi had moments disengaged at various time, various times, uh, but also had moments where he looked really good. What Harris ended up with 18 on 14 shots and Maxi ended up with 21 on 16. Harden was obviously what I think a lot of people want to talk about. It's what a lot of people want to focus on early in the season. You know, a lot of people were looking whether or not he had the burst that he maybe had in previous years that he didn't have last year. We watched the preseason and went, eh, I don't know. He didn't necessarily look great, but I'm also not sure he cared. He looked pretty good physically last night. Really good, actually, for what I think my expectations were. I completely agree, and it's 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 tough when you have a a game where you just get completely housed for the most part. But if you want to take the positive, Harden on an individual scoring level, that was excellent yeah. <laughs> against against the hardest team in the league to score against. Last season, Ike Stewart in a in a switch was a disaster, and so he gets Grant Williams, he gets Al Horford. Those guys were in the torture chamber the entire night, yep. and I know he didn't get to the rim. Quite as much, there was the one great move where yep. he, he crossed over left to right and beats Williams uh, with his right hand. I, I understand that the step-back jumper there is a, a finicky nature to that, but the Celtics were giving him so much space yeah. on that shot to the point where you know they were fouling him, he was getting great looks, he shimmied the one time and missed by a mile, but look, <laughs> which is the funniest play in NBA history well, it's with, funny. with Smart. Yeah, because Smart did what Smart does and completely flopped, and then... James had a little bit of extra confidence that maybe he shouldn't have had and airballed the three. Great. That was great. He went, he went five of nine from three. He made the, the, he had the one really hard shot that he made where Tatum got on his, got on his left hand. The two highlights though, two of the four misses would have been incredible highlights if he dropped them. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's, we'll see. I, I need to see more than one game of this, but the fact that that was in there from an individual standpoint, That's pretty cool. Like it, you, you don't need that level of James Harden if you have the normal Joel Embiid to compete with these teams. That was really good, and I, I thought from an um, an individual standpoint, it was really impressive. I thought he was going to be a better table setter, kind of running the offense, getting guys in their spots. He was a little bit behind on that. Although on rewatch, you know, I, I just killed Embiid and Maxi for how slow and how stagnant they they made it. Harden was by a mile the guy who was creating the best shots for his yeah. teammates, whether that was, you know, Tucker on kind of those sideline step up screens with the with the uh, the slip. And then he would find a guy four on three or it was uh, a pick and roll with Embiid 
And, you know, Tucker's man came in and helped. I believe Tucker missed two wide open corner threes that Harden created for him. I thought that was an outstanding offensive game yeah. for James Harden <laughs> because we'll get to the defense in a minute. Uh, but I, I think in general, like, you should be pretty encouraged by how he looked. Again, because he's not going to play a tougher defense in that group. He's not. Yeah. No, he's not. And it, like you, you can say it's only one game and I agree a hundred percent. I don't think there was any point last year where he had the physical capability of having that one game. And it's not just the step back threes. I mean, he hit five threes and I think I saw, I, I don't know who I saw this from. So I apologize for not crediting, but I saw like last year he shot 33%. I think it was from second, second spectrum on setback threes before that he had shot like 37 or 38%. So yeah, those might not be prototypically great shots but he makes them at a very high clip and also like the way he exploded out of that crossover dribble is just something i didn't really see at any point last year and even if it's not an every night thing knowing that he might still have that capability it's a big early season takeaway discover the latest collections from david yerman as seen recently styled on basketball stars like jaime jaquez jalen green d'angelo russell and others David Yurman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yurman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. That stat could be an indication, too, of when he doesn't have the burst, defenders can play up yeah. and make that step-back yeah. shot harder. Yeah, I uh, 
you know, this is something I said in the preseason a couple times he did make a good move in those games. That left to right crossover is how he blows by people. And I don't know if it's just because he's comfortable doing it or because maybe the defender thinks it's a step back jumper because usually when he's stepping back, it's also left to right. Um, but that he did a really nice job against those guys. And he, you know, whenever they ran traditional pick and roll coverage with Embiid, when Embiid freaking rolled to the basket, it was a layup anytime, either way. Uh, it didn't matter who was the the guy back in uh, in drop. So yeah, I like look Harden offensively. I was he was the Sixers' best player by a mile, and considering he's their most important player for this entire season, that's probably more of a silver lining than you thought about in the yeah in the heat of battle when sure. they're getting killed. Sure. Yep. He yep. was awesome. All right. I guess Harden's a good enough place to pivot to defense. <laughs> what the hell went wrong, Rich? What the hell went wrong? It's just like I said earlier, the, and look, I think Embiid deserves a fair amount of shit for not putting out any of the fires because look, he said this media day training camp. I got more in the tank this year. You know, I don't, I don't need to score quite as much. I'm, we're going to be the number one defense. That's our hope. Uh, I definitely think he is. I'll tell you what, I put them at six and in my predictions and I'm uh, feeling a little (laughs) concerned about that one. Uh, that, That said, as sluggish as Joel was, I on the rewatch, I was more frustrated with his offense than his defense. Oh, sure. I th- yeah. I thought the perimeter defense was like, dude, it was comically bad. It was unbelievable. It was every single guy. You know, we, we could say Harden was the worst perimeter defender. I, I mean, sure, but the, everybody else is right behind him. Yep. Let, let's go through the list. Maxi, just horrible. Yep. Derek White, just bullying him taking him to the basket. And that's a concern because he's not getting any bigger and the Celtics aren't getting any smaller. I don't think (laughs) for the future. Uh, So that's him. Uh, D'Anthony Melton disaster last night. And, uh, and he had a very specific one-on-one matchup where the other guys had a six man that they brought in this year. And that guy killed him. Yep. Killed him. Just straight line drives to the basket and, you know, I know Doc wants him pressuring the ball and creating havoc, and he does get his hands on some steals. Pressuring the ball doesn't matter if you're yeah. giving up straight line drives to Malcolm Brogdon like that. That was a a really poor performance, and yeah, it's just disappointing because that's supposed to be his strength. Let's keep going. Uh, Tobias Harris navigating screens like just a disaster the entire night, and also too like Tobias Harris and PJ Tucker, the, the Sixers. Transition defense, that's probably the worst I've ever yeah. seen in my life. Where and Boston, we spent half of last year complaining about it, and it was somehow worse. Even when they were in position, yeah. Tatum and Brown were just putting their heads down, and there was no resistance whatsoever. And when it's Harden and Maxi, okay, that's something you got to scheme against where, like, you know, maybe Tobias has to run back on defense and get in the way and help those guys and, and load up on the ball. I thought, look... Like you said, what did they shoot from uh, mid-range? Uh, 20 for 28, something like that. Some of those shots were well defended, and it was Tatum and Brown making some, and, and Brogdon making some really excellent tough shots that, you know, it was a handful of them where you said, okay, that's okay defense. If they're going to make that, shake their hand, whatever. Um, they were just walking into them in transition, man. Yeah. It's crazy. They weren't running any plays. They just were pushing the ball up the court, out-athleting the Sixers. It was uh, 
it was horrible. I mean, we could keep going. PJ got killed by Tatum, like, and that's going to happen from time to time. But it did happen in uh, in last night's game. Doc put in Montrez, which I thought was like a disaster. There were a couple yeah. plays in the first quarter where Harden has to get around a screen because they're not switching with Montrez. Okay, well, that's the downside. Like, you better score a million points if that's your defense right there. Trez uh, didn't have the ball enough to justify being in the game. And when he did get the ball, he committed an offensive foul. Yeah, that was he was he was not great. It was it was Were weird. Were you surprised because... at that at that decision? No. no, no, I'm not. Come on, he's the veteran. He's I mean, the guy no, that they promised minutes. Clearly, I 100 percent expected them to go back to Trez at some point, probably soon. Uh, I did I did expect them to give Paul Reed a chance in the beginning, since they. Not committed to it, but at least indicated that at the beginning of the preseason. And also, I thought Boston was just a better matchup for Paul Reed than Trez. I, I, I thought he would do more defensively, and I thought Boston had a chance to take away Montrez offensively more than uh, some teams do. So, uh, sure, I thought matchup-wise, matchup this would have favored Paul Reed. They switch everything. The playoff teams are the ones that Paul Reed are going to play against, right? The teams that Montrez just can't get his cheap points because him and Harden are going to be dynamic running traditional pick and roll. And that's what happened. And and Trez was bad. The Sixers weren't bad in his minutes because Harden was excellent in his minutes, but he was mainly hunting Blake Griffin, who was guarding house. Like yeah. that's, you don't need Trez on the floor for that. So I, I definitely, I know you probably had the same reaction that I did when Doc says after the game, you know, we like the matchup for Trez. I, I a hundred percent disagree. Yeah. I hate the matchup yeah. for Trez. Yep. Uh, and look, I, I like Trez as a player. He's gonna he's gonna help this team this year. But that that raised some eyebrows because if you're ever gonna play Paul Reed, it's gonna be that game. No, that that read to me like Trez won the preseason battle, but we're gonna use this to soften the messaging. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. say it's matchup to soften the messaging. That's what it sounded like to me. And he also yeah, he said he he liked how Trez played in the preseason. I liked how Trez played in the preseason. He was playing against the, the Cavs eight stringers. Like who yeah. cares about the preseason? Yeah. Uh, Paul Reed played pretty well in the preseason too. He, you know, he also played awesome in the playoffs last season. So that's that's fascinating. I, as much as that decision was kind of mind numbing to me, I, I also it's think not it's, why it's, they lost the game. It's way down the list on that. Uh, and also, I, I kind of heard some people say, "Oh man, you you didn't play Thibault when they had Brown and Tatum." And I, I guess on the one hand. Thibel has had some good defensive games yep. against Tatum in his career, yep. for sure. But come on, what are we talking about? He couldn't play in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, I hear you. I hear you. I, I, it would be great to have Thibel to defend Tatum. I agree. That's not, I don't necessarily consider that Doc's fault. That's Thibel's fault. It's Thibel's fault for not being playable offensively. And I think at times you're going to have to bring Thibel back into the rotation and see what he's got and matchups that they need him on. But if you're going to tell me that he is the ninth, tenth man on the roster, I get it. I get it. As much as the B-ball Paul thing concerns me, Doc's rotations were not why they no. uh, they lost the game. And they mostly, I think, settled on the rotations that we would have suggested. Yeah, and you know there was with a, the exception a, of Harold. There were a couple minutes there where it was a a Harold Niang front yeah, court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would avoid that combo. I think that that's the other thing too. Niang's Niang. the one where I'm wondering if he's, if, if that's one area you might change. Yeah. If there's a, well, and also too, like if there's a consolidation trade moving forward, yep. like backup power forward could be a, uh, a spot to look at. 
whatever. You just play George with Joel is is my general take on that. Like he he helps with the spacing. Joel likes that he shoots a ton, and Joel can, if he plays better than he did in last night's game, can make up for the uh, for the defensive shortcomings. But yeah, look, as much as I thought Joel did not put out any fires on the back end, I thought their perimeter defense was completely embarrassing. Just embarrassing from top to bottom. The level of resistance was just garbage. And I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just going to assume that's going to get a little bit better because it wasn't all that they're just not talented. They, they, they really did a terrible job staying in front of guys. And honestly, Harden at least made a couple rotations. Like Harden would make the, the X out the proper rotation and then he would just let the guy dance right by him, yeah. which is like, yeah, yeah. It, it would be some other guy gets beat on a play. Harden actually somewhat puts out the fire, but oh my God, now he has to make a second effort. And it's like, okay, he's not going to do that. And so. that really shows up in transition too. It was amazing how often uh, Harden was the only one to get back in transition, which like you said, might make an initial effort. The second effort is not there. And especially now that they're trying to figure out how to navigate the take foul rules. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of open lanes, a lot of open lanes. I think the, you know, this could be something in Ben Simmons' wheelhouse, like if he's not afraid to shoot free throws anymore. Those, those apex predator wings, the guys who can push the ball, now that the take foul is gone, yeah. like yep. it, it, if the fast guys get a, a head of steam against a guard, I'm not sure a guard can do a lot. So that's that's something to look for. Uh, you know, probably for Maxi is probably the guy on the Sixers who I would say. Well, the only, one who's, the, most. the only one who's really quick and can dribble on the team. Yeah. Maybe Melton if he gets a ahead of steam, yeah. but you obviously I and I can't emphasize enough. Like Melton's defense was a disaster in that bad. game. He's given up UCLA cuts on sideline out of bounds plays, and yeah, Joel should probably be back there. But come on, man! Like why why are you behind Brogdon on that play? It's you know they're running like you know off ball action where Joel's kind of looking at you know the, his man screening for Tatum or Brown. Okay, well. D'Anthony, keep Brogdon in front of you, dude. Like, you know, so that was a, it was a major issue. I mean, the Celtics, I think they shot 74% from two point range. That's just, can't have that. That's yeah. not good enough. Yeah. And this team has better defenders than that. Like, I, I completely agree that Harden and Maxi are a huge issue. And they might be a huge issue just against the Celtics because for whatever problems Tatum and Brown have as decision makers, as ball handlers, whatever mainly Brown in that regard. They're, they're just big, so it's going to be a problem against the Sixers. Uh, look, w- when they started the game last night, they had Tobias on Brown, and they had P.J. on Tatum. That is better than the Sixers have had in a game in terms of size and skill matchup. Like, you felt like, okay, you should be able to at least compete with these guys. Yeah. And they lit, they lit them up, so they're good. But They are good. I, but I, I expect more... In the next, they don't play the Celtics for four months. And four months from now, I expect more from Tobias and PJ. Is it really offering. that long? Yeah, they don't play till February. Really? Yeah. And they play three times in two months. Mm-hmm. That'll be good. That'll be excitement for those games. Uh, excitement for Thursday night's game, the home opener against the Milwaukee Bucks. And if things don't go well there, then they have a couple of gimme games uh, against <laughs> the Spurs and the Pacers. So we can we can have some feel-good games. I, I do think the Bucks. I actually think they're going to beat the Bucks because yeah, I agree. I agree. they match up a little bit better against them. I mean, Giannis is such a pain in the ass. Also, I, I believe Middleton is out too, so that's uh, yep. that's a big reason why they match up better against them because the Bucks are not 
They're not. They're not the deepest team deep in the world. Middleton, yeah. Yeah, sure. and he's he's one of the most underrated players in the league. But also, like, I, I don't know. I, I just think Embiid against Giannis, they they match up a little bit better against that uh, that style of basketball. And also, here's the other reason I think they're going to win. They just got embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. You will almost definitely see a better effort from John Embiid. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. So, look, that, that'll be a fun game. Um, I think it would probably... Uh, I never know how to say this word. Assuage? Is that the... I, I sure. I, I think you nailed it, Rich. So, some of the concerns <laughs> with just a better effort against Milwaukee and just show the that you can spell against too. them. I'm sorry. It sounds like a sewage. Yes. It yes. looks like a sewage. It does. Which is a lot like how the Sixers defense looked last night. <laughs> Not great. Not great. Not a great broadcast either. No. The broadcast was a disaster. The only thing worse than the transition defense was the, the audio sync on the broadcast. Yes. Do you think that was TNT or do you think that was Boston? There's always something goofy going on in that arena, whether there's a fire alarm going off. It's just, I, that's also like the, the Wells Fargo Center. It's one of the old arenas, but there's always some funny business going on there. Yeah, it was very annoying. It was very annoying. Any other thing you really want to hit on here before we get going? It's only one game, and I do want to remind everyone of that. Because that was a kind of performance I think it's easy to overreact to. I do think some of the things they struggled with, you can project that forward as as areas they will struggle going forward. Just not to that degree. Just not to that degree. Completely agree with how you put it. I'm not pressing the panic button, but it was a, a lot of the reasons why we thought this team might be held back in a playoff situation. They have a lot of time to figure it out. I uh, I still think this team is going to win a ton of regular season games, but people are prone to hyperbole when the one game is 100% of the season. Yes. And if they, look, if they kill the Celtics in February, I'm sure Celtics fans aren't going to be freaking out, you know, because they're probably going to be, you know, winning at like a 650 winning percentage and might be a tough night. So it, uh, look, o- overall, I, I do see some positives. Harden was excellent. And I think just the fact that they scored at that level without without crazy three point shooting either too like of yep. course Harden made some of the step backs but they missed a decent amount of open threes that they uh, they created so did Boston too so uh, you know maybe the defense was even worse that we're talking about uh, but the fact that they scored at that level without having any flow any you know togetherness on that end of the court without having the Plan B and Plan C options to me I think is a positive moving forward and it did not dissuade me from thinking this is going to be a juggernaut offense at some point in the season. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I still, I'm shit. I pick them, have a top three offense, 56 wins, top seed in the Eastern conference and Joel and be MVP. I think they're going to be a very good team. Uh, that was just a, a, a was very terrible. disappointing effort. A very it was a horrible effort. game. I mean, there's no other way to put it. it just, and you know, hopefully for them, it's a little bit of a wake-up call, a little bit of a reality check. They keep hearing about all these people talking about them winning 55, 56 games, you know. Uh, Got to actually do it. Got to actually do it. And, you know, it's not always the worst thing to uh, to be humbled a little bit. I And, and I can add, too, like, it, it, for the Sixers, they're going to have to beat that team at some point, probably. If you told me at Boston opening night is the single hardest game on their schedule in, like, a month, two months, I, I would believe you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. 
I agree. That's it's a hard team to play against. They they played awesome too. Like e- even when the Sixers made them work a little bit for the, their shots, just Tatum and Brown were spectacular. And that it feels like that even would have been a playoff game where you're just like, up, oh, just kind of shake their hand. <laughs> those guys are really good. Hopefully we we make some adjustments in the next game and they miss some of those mid rangers, but it's uh they're good. I agree. All right, I think that's a good enough place to cut it off. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we'll talk to you soon. See you, man. When you are down, lift your head off the ground. There's a lot to be learned, so look around. Once there was a silly old ant, thought he'd move a rubber tree plant. Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, body and High hopes, he had high hopes, he had high apple pie in the sky. Hope so when you start to feel it low, instead of letting go, just remember that and whoop, there goes another robber tree, up there goes another robber tree. Whoop, there goes another Robert Green plan. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.